Hey everyone, thank you for joining me for another episode of Beer with Marketeers. Today I'm joined by founder and MD of Marmalade Marketing. Joe, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. For the people's benefit at home, would you mind giving a quick intro to yourself? We're going to deep dive into your background, but a quick intro. Yeah, sure. So I am Joe Lee. I have been a marketer for almost, well, 20 years now, actually, um, showing my age. Um, and 15, nearly 16 years in recruitment sector marketing. Um, I was head of marketing and digital for Meridian Business Port, who were um, a fast growing recruitment business. I started with them in 05, um, was on the SLT board, and I founded that marketing function and just grew an appetite of recruitment marketing. Four years ago, I um, was a mental after giving birth to my second child and he was six months old and I thought sorry I'll just start up an agency and that's what I did. Amazing I love that and you know everyone says oh what's the right time to start your business there isn't a right time at all. Nope. At nope. all. And, uh, yeah I love that because I, I mean I started Paige when my wife was three months pregnant with the second, second uh. sprog as we call them um, <laughs> and I actually found it an incredible motivator. How was, how was your motivation when you had you know the child at home how did you actually motivate yourself to start a business at that time? Um, I, it was, I think something had always had in a plan and I worked for, I worked for a company that went insolvent, unfortunately, when I was on mat leave. And I thought, you know what, I either try and get a, a job which wouldn't accommodate the requirements of two kids because my daughter was nearly well, three and a half at the time and, and Jacob, my son, uh, six months. Um, or I try and do this thing out of hours and in the day when I could and just juggled everything. So I think the, the one people used to say, how are you doing this? And I gave up TV for 18 months. I didn't watch any TV. I wow. pretty much have a life. And so I'd get the kids sorted. I do work in the day, but then I'd get the kids sorted and I'd properly be online from eight in the evening till about 1 a.m., was working probably for about seven different clients. I had a, a recruited a head of content and there was myself both working out of hours um, and then just did it that way. But I, I, I learned very quickly to prepare everything the night before and then everything was ready to go from 8.30 in the morning before I did nursery drop-off. So I'd smash out 30 emails and then drop the kids off and then get back to a desk. I got an office very quickly because I can't work from home. I hate it. Um, and I, I just did, did it that way. I absolutely, I love that. The, the tenacity, the drive. And frankly, I know it sounds odd, but I, I thought I had it hard when I started a business, but it was just me. You know, I, I had my own time to manage the, the kids and everything like that. You know, hats off to you. I just no. want to put that out there. So how have things changed in the last four years? Because I, I, we work with you guys. I should say I'm, I'm actually, I guess, a customer of yours, right? I, you guys do some content for us and a fantastic team. So how's business now? Do you know what? I, I think we, I say a prayer daily and I really am so grateful to be doing this with the team. It doesn't feel like it's, it's work. It feels like an absolute gift, as challenging as it is. And I think you have to be a bit unhinged to be able to take the pressure of especially during covid and and um you know we we call it the the corona cliff the cliff of corona you know talking clients back from okay if you don't continue to invest in marketing 
the analogy I used was um, organizing a dinner party and everyone is sat around that table and having a, a feast and a you know really nice time together and then you bugger off off the table out the door without any explanation or reason for that mm. so our clients our values are trust breakfast and confidence and we said we can't do breakfast with you but have trust and confidence in what we're doing here and um, some of our clients furloughed their internal teams because uh, again they're on survival mode and um, didn't know what was was coming and how long it would be and marmalade then absorbed more and more um, for our clients we didn't charge any extra for that it was again a blessing that we didn't get on you know pushed off the cliff um mm. and it's meant now 40 months later we've recruited two more people into the team it meant our technology was launched probably six months ahead of time but we have a pilot for that technology lease and Kieran oversees everything our ops director so we're tight we're multi um what are we kind of multi-discipline marketers um so I will be the satellite over everything then we have a, a really clear structure of delivery team as well as content and design so we've we've matured massively as a business and I have as a business leader as well I think I think that's fantastic to hear and, and what you said about the corona cliff I love that term by the way I think that's absolutely yeah. brilliant might steal that internally it's, yeah. I, I always said to, to our customers because you know we're marketing software so we have similar conversations when when COVID hit and I just said to them look we're, this is going to come to an end this isn't permanent right so what you want to be is the person they call when they actually are hiring again when they do have jobs and we're starting to see now the people that did carry on throughout the, the, the pandemic carried on marketing they're, they're the ones that are getting the phone calls the inbound conversations now yeah. they can because people want to hire people right they, they love yeah. I think the best feeling for me as a business owner is offering somebody a job you know the, the, the reaction you get are you the same totally I mean uh Again, it's just been a wonderful experience to work with savvy marketers and people who are hungry and have as much appetite as I still do now, as I did 20 years ago. I've always been a bit bolshy and, and didn't really give a shit. You know, I what I wanted to achieve for the businesses I worked in and always treated it a, a function like a marketing agency because that's how I first started my marketing career. So it gave me an appetite for that or a learning for how to structure um, delivery, which is really important. Um, so yeah, bringing in um, new people to the account management team, um, videographer, animator, plus a, which I'm really proud about, a young female pilot for our technology, Elise, who is amazing. Um, it makes me feel really proud, like I am the proud mama of these, these younger marketers coming through one of our account managers um he had two promotions during lockdowns during covid which i'm really pleased about that that i was or the business was in a, a position to acknowledge and reward throughout the pandemic which is absolutely fantastic and is that james you're talking about there by any chance yeah shirley shirley temple and because he has a perm we now call him faux faux shirley well furley so <laughs> So I, I work with I work with James um, and James is fantastic. You know, com complete asset to your business. Um, right. say, and, and that's now in public record, so you can use that against me. Now, if you don't mind, you touched on your early career. I want to take you back twenty years, if possible, um, right. to talk about you know your entry point to marketing. Have you did you get a degree? Was it self taught? How did that come around? Yeah, so I was always had a, an appetite. So my first business was when I was probably eight years old. It was called Baby Care. 
and I had everything all set out at home, all of my merchandise, the prices that I paid for things and that I would sell. So I've always had an appetite for business, I think. And my parents thought I was a nut job and I'm an identical twin and, and would both be working in this shop and it would all be you know a bit mental. Um, so she and I, we ended up going to the same university and doing the same degree, which is weird when you're a twin and you just don't want to be with each other anymore, but you can't stay away. Um, and then I moved to London. So I got away first. I, I moved to London before she then moved abroad. Um, and then I, I started working. So I did a marketing degree. I did a finance um, diploma. I then went on to do certificates in digital marketing. I did my professional postgrad, my SIM, first year of my master's and, and just did a, as much as I could academically. Um, then moved to London, did a, a, a job working for a company that was had a startup function and, and it was launching um, direct marketing packs for Freshers Week. So I'd have to get in front of, you know, Arcadia Group, HMV at the time, you know, whoever to try and get conversations. And I was quite good at it. I thought I've got I've got a bit of a, a, a technique of just being very natural and not overselling and just being human I think um so I worked for them and then relocated back up north and I, I felt like that was too commercial and then I got a job I saw an advert for the big issue movement um which is the charity arm of the big issue magazine to support homeless people and um it was like the x factor 30 people in a room Everyone is doing all these, you know, different types of um, interview um, tasks and, and things, presentations and whatnot. And I ended up getting that job, weirdly. I almost didn't get it because I wore um, a shirt and tie. And, right. and so the guy, Bob Towers, who I'm still really good friends with, um, best one of the best bosses I've ever had meetings always over food that's why I'm kind of passionate about bringing that into my own company but he said you almost didn't get the job because of what you wore and I just laid into him and said it's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard um and then he gave me the job anyway and said well if you're this straight talking then I think we need someone like you at the big issue and that went from strength to strength so fantastic so, and what, so you mentioned you, you're quite you know educated there right you've got the degrees and it's interesting because I, I don't, and it's not because I'd like to think I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm intelligent enough, but I didn't, I didn't actually enjoy college. I just be really, I, did. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't enjoy it. So I, I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't really go. <laughs> so it's no surprise that I found it. So I, um, I, I got a job without that, right? And I self taught as a developer. What's your view on now, if we fast forward that time, do you, do you look for degrees in people that you hire or are you open to people that are self taught? What's your preference? I am so open and one of my very good friends, she's a, um, who I went to uni with, known her 24 years and um, she's a finance controller, incredible about, about what she does. And she said, um, I, you know, we debated this and she said, I wouldn't fund my kids for education and through university um, because it costs 50K or whatever. And I turned to her and I said, if I have the money, you, your friendship is worth 50K to me and I met you at uni. And the, the gift of friendship, and but you can get that anywhere. My point is, it's not the degree, it's not the, the education, whether you have an appetite or not. It's the people who are the most, who shape you as a, as a human being that mm. I think is 
important. So for my kids, my daughter's incredibly creative and I know she'll be an artist and, and living in a field somewhere and just being, you know, I don't want her to be academic just because I was, you know, so it's not important to me. And, and it's the person we recruit here at Marmalade based on the character and how hungry they are for learning because you can go to uni and not use 98% of it. So it doesn't bother me at all. Which is, I, I think is a huge shift in mindset because I'm going to assume something here because you went to an interview with a shirt and tie, right? So a, an old school way of going to an interview. Has that mindset changed then on the, on the degree side? Because if you go back 10 years, would you in your shirt and tie say you need to have a degree? Um, I would have done because it opened doors for sure. However, um, and Mark Mitchell, who was the CEO and my boss at Meridian Business Support for 10 years, I almost didn't get the job there because I wore too casual. So I was working at the Big Issue Movement at the time. It was way more casual. Um, and I said this recently um, on a podcast where I wore Maharashi was a, a brand that was, you know, quite a nice Japanese inspired. So I wore this emblazoned dragon shirt, flares and trainers. And Mark was like, what are you doing? Why, you know, you almost didn't get the job because you rocked up in this weird outfit. Like, well, I'm a marketer. Don't, and I never owned a suit whilst I had a shirt and tie. Um, I never owned a suit and refused to, to wear one ever. Right, interesting. So you went to, arguably, arguably everyone's different, right? There's no right or wrong here. This is the interesting yeah. bit. I think it's, I think there's more and more businesses that are open to, you know, not having to have a degree, but I see the value in it. I have to say, like, it's, it's one of those things where you said, you know, your daughter's going to end up in a field painting, which is lovely, right? If my daughter says she's going to university, I'd encourage it because I, yeah. I feel like I've missed out and I, I don't know if I have. I just you know when you, FOMO's a funny thing, right? You see yeah. people go to university, they've got the degrees and they go travelling for a year. I never went travelling for a year. So that's one of the things, you know, I want to do later in life, but hopefully in five-star hotels rather than bed sits. That's my, that's my goal. <laughs> One of, the, one of the other things I wanted to chat to you about was your relationship with recruiters. Now, you've mentioned recruitment marketing. Mm -hmm. For me, it's one side of the coin, right? You've got, you've got brand and then you've got your personal brand of your recruiters and the recruiters are quite often the forefront of the business and the people that need to represent it the most. Yes. Do you have any um, words of wisdom, encouragement, advice for marketers that are in, in a recruitment agency right now and want to work with their recruiters more closely? Mm, I think it's um, offering <clears throat> people only know what they know. So recruiters are the experts in their fields and they have such incredible knowledge that's untapped. And actually, sometimes um, they may feel that they suffer from imposter syndrome or I think in, in time and experience, you become a little bit more confident in, in what you're doing and what you're saying. Um, so there is a fear of writing blogs or podcasts or or um being front and center of a brand so for a recruitment marketer i see their job is to build that that trust and confidence in what you're doing but offer a framework around it so it's much easier and palatable and that they understand um what what they're doing and what their contribution is to the bigger picture so I think with that, we, we do, it's almost like nurturing those people to have that confidence um, and, and that they're a team contributing to some of the parts. It's much bigger picture. Um, the brand will grow in health 
if everybody is contributing to it. Got it. And, and do you offer advice on that to your to your clients? Is that something you can help with? Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. And you know, we we do also challenge some of our clients, and you know, the internal culture they believe they make bold assumptions so our job is to speak to my job particularly as a consultant as well is to challenge those business leaders to say well you're making all these bold assumptions based on a piece of what you did three years ago or even 12 months ago it's not relevant now yeah absolutely absolutely one of the things that i always find interesting is the the notion of the currently department now i'm wearing one of our t-shirts i just need to move the camera slightly yeah this is one of our t-shirts you mentioned charity earlier this is all for for mind the mental health charity if anyone's oh. watching they can uh, get their t-shirt but one of the one of the big things is the notion of being called the currying department right what the marketing yeah. do um the marketing girl i'm sure you've heard that one in your, oh. in your career yeah. how does that how does that make you feel and how do you think we've evolved as an industry in in that yeah, I think that view is a nonsense. And if any prospect or client spoke to us like that, they have a misunderstanding of the industry and uh, a misunderstanding of the value of the, uh, a marketing function. So there's an education piece there. But I think 20 years ago, there was an absolute disconnect and a, a conscious disconnect between sales and marketing because the sales function was the, you know, the BD bringing everything in and, and marketing was a poor relation or a backup for sales. It wasn't the other way around. You could only be marketing led if there was a marketing presence on the board of directors, which used to wind me up no end um, because we were never allowed through the door, only for a one hour slot where you would present and get, um, you know, some challenging questions that you didn't have the opportunity to, to prepare for. And we weren't ever exposed to the bigger picture. Um, so I think now, um, so, so back then there was no budget to become marketing led as, a, as a, a business. Technology is much more cost efficient and effective now. And it's led by people who are marketers, not salespeople. Um, and we are dragging our clients through this process to show that actually building a, a, a compelling brand and build, building that brand health that I mentioned isn't necessarily the number of heads of, of billing recruiters that you have in the in the company or bricks and, and mortar or how many you know licenses of x y and z it's about having a tech stack that works beautifully in synergy um bringing sales and marketing together um and respecting each other's function really Absolutely. And I, I love the passion there. I, you, you shifted up a gear when you spoke about that. I absolutely loved it. And it always, yeah, <laughs> sorry. Which, no, no, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And one of the, one of the big things that you mentioned education, um, I'm you know, on my LinkedIn content right now, I'm trying to, trying to get the notion that you shouldn't just have your marketing, your, at least your social media marketing given to your office administrator, right? They're, they're very different roles and hmm. you need to give social media marketing the respect that it deserves and the time it needs to actually give you results. So I imagine some of your customers start with, you know, having an office administrator do everything, a bit of everything, right? And not seeing the results, they come to you and have that discussion. How do you deal with that? If you've got somebody that does a little bit of social media marketing at one of your customers, but you want to take it to the next level, what's your advice to them? 
So typically what that looks like is we will be drafted in to create a strategy around that because that's a siloed piece of activity, which is, so it's either um, digital BD and prospecting that, that we would look at as part of the strategy, um, as well as brand positioning and um, market placement. Um, so both of those working in synergy, but we would make sure that that internal person is mentored to upskill that individual. So we see that again as a gift to have that internal person. Our vision as a business is to place a marketer on every single recruitment board of directors because I it took me 10 years to get to that point and it was bloody painful. It was really painful journey to try and continue <clears throat> to show value. Give me some more and I'll show you the ROI. Give me a little bit more. Now we have the methodology and framework to then support that junior to be able to have bigger conversations for budget. And then we do an education piece again around what budget you should be allocating and where all this hidden cost is that's put under the marketing budget. But actually it isn't and it shouldn't be. Did you include job balls in that? No, you know, the, these job boards is within the marketing budget, but we, it's almost like active and passive. So you can't do anything about those job boards because a lot of this is, is vanity. How many have you gotten? How many of you, you know, and then when you start the, the CEO or the FD in particular would start seeing these big chunks and contracts coming through. Um, they just stick it under marketing because they couldn't possibly get away with it, you know, with any other budget. Um, for me, having a marketing budget is, is about at delivering a strategic plan that backs up the business objectives and goal. And then their tactical activity meets that strategy that meets the goal. So we, we kind of moving it every three months. We don't plan it out any further than 12 weeks, but four weeks worth of activity at one, one time. So the FD and their CEO and the marketer all understand, well, this is more palatable. It doesn't look like a really massive 500 page document, which the marketing plan was at Meridian. It was crazy because of how many 66 branches, 340 consultants. Um, I think we had um, seven markets, but disciplines within the market. So 84 disciplines, which is bonkers to try and, and market. So we're very structured from that learning that I had before. Absolutely. And, and you touched on an interesting point there because big companies, you know, you've mentioned Meridian, but there's lots of big recruitment agencies at the moment that I, I, I think during COVID probably did reduce the size of their marketing, reduce their marketing budget because they probably got shareholders to please, et cetera. So there's a real opportunity right now for the, the smaller guys, right? The people that have, like you and me, had a moment of inspiration and started their business and they're, they're coming to the market now and they're, they're probably embracing marketing more than others. So what, uh, what are you seeing in terms of smaller recruitment startups? Hey, Kieran, just walked Hello. in. <laughs> uh, Kieran's a great guy. <laughs> so, Joe, what are you seeing in terms of smaller recruitment businesses coming to market and how are they embracing marketing as, as with that? Yeah, so what I mentioned earlier about being marketing-led, these companies, these men and women are savvy enough to realise that if they... If they nail the strategy now, then they will be able to compete in a market that has a much level, much more level playing field now than ever before. So 
the bigger recruitment businesses um, have almost um, become complacent in my view. Um, others that we work with that are bigger companies treat themselves like a startup or a scale-up in how agile they are, their decision-making is faster, um, and they're happy to be educated about um, various different marketing elements that will um, help their business. So, for example, some companies will say, well, that's not relevant, we don't need this. And then we'll have to say, well, actually, you do need it because of this, this, and this. So there's much more trust. And these smaller startups and scale-ups, um, that's their natural habitat to be risk-takers, not risk-averse. But it's all measured, of course. They've not got budget to waste but we show everything is structured around planning and execution, delivery, distribution, reporting, and analysis, making sure that the performance is there and that we're leading them through that process so they can hands off, concentrate on the day job. And ultimately we end up paying for ourselves because of the way we're building up their brand exposure, health and, and the business as well. Yeah, and it used to be to start a recruitment business, all you needed was a yellow pages and a phone, right? That was that's what they used to say. I think that's changed now, actually. I think you need to have you need to have that marketing side. You need to embrace that because the world, the way people buy, has changed as well. You know, it's uh, it's really changed over the last few years. Um, right, we, I want to just ask you some quick questions, and then I think we're we're wrapping up. What's your favorite ever marketing campaign that you've seen online? Marketing campaign. Yeah, you know things like uh, is it Burger King? You know. The sort of thing what's your favorite one you've ever seen gone that is bloody good marketing favorite campaign do you know as a marketing consultant um i because i i don't really watch tv ever so uh, do you know what i i don't watch tv so I, TV. I i don't see um adverts but I really do like adverts with, or on social media, if I, I go on for, you know, now and again, I'm probably the most um, un-techie uh, marketing in terms of I, I don't go on social and things. Um, but I really like brands with a story and they're, they're telling a story over time. So I think more recently I saw Innocent Smoothies yesterday had put out a gobbledygook tweet, which was that somebody was pissed reading it and saying, if you don't want to get pissed in a pub garden, then have an innocent smoothie. That was genius for me. And then Tesco, um, they had put something out on social again, which was all around supporting locals saying, don't come into Tesco for your beer for your garden, go to a pub beer garden today. That was a really nice um, piece as well. I love that. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I saw both of those campaigns and I thought exactly the same thing. The innocent one got me laughing and Tesco made me think, yeah, I should go to the pub rather than, you know, go to Tesco's for my six pack. I think yep. uh, both <laughs> had the impact they wanted, right? Because, you know, I'll be back to Tesco's next week, but the pubs are open. We need to support them. I think exactly. Fantastic message. Where can people find you online? I know you said you're not on social, but where, where can people find you? Yeah, so people can find us on um, marmalademarketing.co.uk. Um, we have our Instagram, um, LinkedIn. We're all over LinkedIn. We're quite noisy on that channel. I think we are quite opinionated. So um, also newsletters. We have a really nice um, sharing of, of knowledge and experience on our newsletter. So people can sign up for that as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me. And thank you for sharing your experience and tips with everyone. You're very welcome. Really enjoyed it. Thank you.